lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. Thursday, welcome to the Steve Dace Show, live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. I am Steve Dace. Todd Erzin and Aaron McIntyre are here with me as well. If you would like to join us, 888-900-3393 is the number. That's 888-900-3393. Steve at stevedace.com is the email address. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. And don't forget, if you're looking for clips of this show that you can sample and then share with others, go to youtube.com slash Steve Dace. Again, youtube.com slash Steve Dace. And also don't forget, Friday, Friday, Pardon me. Friday is the deadline for you to take advantage for the biggest discounted subscription we've ever offered here at Blaze TV. $30 off an annual subscription, but it expires on Friday. You've got to go to blazetv.com slash dace and use the promo code Steve. That's blazetv.com slash dace and use the promo code Steve. Jam-packed show for you today. Our old friend Sean Davis from The Federalist will be rejoining us here at the bottom of the hour. Next hour, three non-political questions as well as Theology Thursday. We're going to tackle the topic of how do you tell if someone is a false teacher, is there a way to find out if somebody's just wrong or it's just somebody you can legitimately disagree with or if somebody is purposefully attempting to lead people astray? How can we tell? We're going to look at some of the signs that's coming up with Theology Thursday next hour. But before we get to all of that, here is Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were in lockdown. What happened while we were locked down brought to you by the tip of the iceberg. Yesterday, thanks to newly minted acting director of national intelligence, Richard Grinnell, the names of the Obama administration officials who unmasked the identity of former national security advisor Michael Flynn were declassified. That unmasking the process of revealing the identity of U.S. citizens in contact with foreign agents was the fig leaf the Obama administration needed for launching the further well-documented sham investigation into Mike Flynn, for which he was exonerated last week. Several top Obama administration officials were privy to the details of the Flynn unmasking, including former Chief of Staff Dennis McDonough, former FBI Director James Comey, former Director for National Intelligence James Clapper, former U.S. Ambassador to the U.N. Samantha Power, and former Vice President Joe Biden. The declassification of those names raises even further questions about who knew what and when regarding the investigation into Mike Flynn and bolsters the Trump administration's claims his campaign was illegally spied upon as the basis for not only the Flynn investigation, but the Mueller probe into Russian collusion. In other news, the battle to reopen America continues. Yesterday, the Wisconsin Supreme Court put the kibosh on Governor Tony Evers' continued stay-at-home orders for that state. Minnesota Governor Tim Walz announced yesterday he's allowing stay-at-home orders to expire and stated that some businesses can reopen as well. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis has thoughts on professional sports. All these professional sports um, are going to be welcome in Florida. That may not be the case in every other state in this country, as we've seen. And so what I would tell commissioners of leagues is if you have a team in an area where they just won't let them operate, we'll find a place for you here in the state of Florida uh, because we think it's important and we know that, that it can be done safely. In New York City, a mother walking her toddler up from the subway was wrestled to the ground in front of her kid and arrested for not wearing a mask properly. Oh, 
Meanwhile, in Michigan, Governor Gretchen Whitmer has thoughts on lockdown protesters. This is calls to violence. This is uh, racist and misogynistic. In Pennsylvania, you may remember yesterday I mentioned the state's chief health official, Dr. Rachel Levine, moved uh, mother from a long-term care facility in the state as 70% of those who died from the virus came from nursing homes in Pennsylvania. Turns out Rachel is actually a dude, and during a teleconference yesterday, he repeatedly asked reporters to stop misgendering him. So that's cool. What's also cool is that President Trump appears to be turning on Dr. Anthony Fauci. Dr. Fauci yesterday was a little cautious on reopening the economy too soon. Uh, do you share his concern? About reopening what? Re- reopening the economy too soon, some states. Look, he wants to play all sides of the equation. Uh, I think we're going to have a tremendous fourth quarter. I think we're going to have a transitional third quarter. And I think we're going to have a phenomenal next year. Sorry, we want it open. When you say Dr. Fauci is playing both sides, are you suggesting that the advice well, he's given to you is I was different. surprised by his answer, actually, uh, because, uh, you know, uh, it's just, to me, it's not an acceptable answer, especially when it comes to schools. There's also some other people waking up, including Barstool Sports founder Dave Portnoy and his vast and immense multimedia platforms. What the f*** is going on? When did this become flatten the curve, flatten the curve, flatten the curve to we have to find a cure or everyone's going to die? Like Fauci. Seems like a nice enough dude. I've always been like, oh, no agenda. Looks like he could be maybe the grandfather in Wedding Crashers. Gets in front of the Senate. He's like, we reopen the country too quick. Everyone's dead. Where'd that come from? And the L.A. mayor. We're not open in the city till we find a cure? What? And finally, what Karen looks like to team reality. I thought the coronavirus was all around me. Who wasn't wearing a mask? Who weren't wearing gloves? Some lady was standing five and a half feet away from me. I don't know what to do anymore. Who do I listen to? Do I listen to the experts on TV or the experts on Facebook? What happened to Dr. Fauci? How come he's not in the news conference anymore? And that's what happened while we were away. Well, my big takeaway there from Aaron's montage is what we saw yesterday, a rare public break between President Trump and Pope Fauci, the often wrong and overrated. And it's clear with basically everyone that would even consider voting for Donald Trump this fall, Anthony Fauci's worn out his welcome to at least some degree. But why? How did we get here? Why does he deserve to be fired? How about being wrong about everything? What do I mean? Let us count the ways. Let's go back to the very beginning, shall we? With this audio from late January from one of my old radio affiliates, AM 970, The Answer, in his native New York City. Here's Anthony Fauci going all Frank Drebin from The Naked Gun. Everything's fine. Nothing to see here. What can you tell the American people uh, about what's going on? Should they be scared? Uh, I don't think so. The American people should not be worried or frightened by this. It's a very, very low risk to the United States. Then, a month later, he echoed those sentiments in the New England Journal of Medicine, no less, one of the most preeminent publications of American medicine. And he wrote on February 28th, and I quote, 
The overall clinical consequences of COVID-19 may ultimately be more akin to those of a severe seasonal influenza, which has a case fatality rate of approximately 0.1% or a pandemic influenza. So if you want to know where did the talking point come from, it's just a bad flu. Um, uh, it, it, it came from him, uh, Anthony Fauci. And the New England Journal of Medicine told us this on February the 28th. But hey, if you don't like his current position, stick around. He'll have some more. On March 8th, Anthony Fauci on 60 Minutes told us, hey, there's no reason, no reason to be walking around wearing a mask. Right now in the United States, people should not be walking around with masks. You're sure of it? Because people are listening really no, closely to this. Right now, people should not be walking. There's no reason to be walking around with a mask. Three days later, because life comes at you fast, bro. Three days later, on March 11th, Anthony Fauci testified before Congress. This was now 10 times more lethal than the seasonal flu. Get ready for Captain Trips. I think if you count all the cases of minimally symptomatic or asymptomatic infection, that probably brings the mortality rate down to somewhere around 1%, which means it is 10 times more lethal than the seasonal flu. Which, of course, prompted the effort that began on March the 16th to, quote, flatten the curve. 15 days to flatten the curve based on the now disgraced Imperial College doomsday model that even the liberal, B the liberal BBC is calling BS on that as we speak. And all that effort really did was flatten our economy as now we're in a recession, <laughs> ironically driven largely by, wait for it, a lack of demand in the healthcare system since everyone with heart disease and everything else has been told to stay home and left untreated to hopefully not die later. At the end of those 15 days, with our healthcare system still not overrun except for a handful of cities, he convinced President Trump to extend a national shutdown for another 30 days. Fauci and company based most of their case for this for this extension of the national quarantine on the always wrong IHME model from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, which other experts from Harvard to former members of their own committee in a peer reviewed paper published on April 17th referred to as, quote, not well suited and, quote, a travesty. <laughs> and, and saying, no way should we be using this to base public policy off of. And that's exactly what Pope Fauci, the often wrong and overrated, based our public policy off of. Shall we continue? Yes, we shall. For example, if you're wondering, Steve, what do you mean about the model is always wrong? On April 1st, IHME said my native state of Iowa would be at 1,300 deaths by April 30th. As of May 13th, Iowa has seen 271 deaths. It predicted Georgia's peak death day would be 134 on April 21st. 24 people died that day in Georgia instead. And on and on it goes. You could write an entire book just on documenting wrong projections on coronavirus from the IHME model. And then... <laughs> Oh, this one's going to really give you the warm fuzzy. Then after enslaving us in our way of life and our liberties and our constitution and our economy to these models, on April 10th, Anthony Fauci went on Fox News and had the unmitigated chutzpah to say this. But I have been and still am and will always be somewhat reserved and skeptical about models because models 
are only as good as the assumptions that you put into the model. Now you tell us. Thanks for nothing, man. Thanks for nothing. Oh, oh, but he's not yet begun to be wrong. It continues. This guy, he's right as rain. If you mean striking out at the plate every time he's up like this. All right. Now Fauci says he's unsure about our children attending school in person in the fall, which is a linchpin to our reopening. Despite the fact China, Japan, France, Sweden, Switzerland, Iceland, Norway, and Denmark, as of right now, and more countries are considering this, are sending their kids back to school. Should we at least ask what they know and what we don't? Or do we just operate under the assumption they all hate their children more than we do? Do we operate under that assumption? The Lancet, based in the UK, it endorsed Bernie Sanders' Medicare for All proposal earlier this year during the campaign. This is no right-wing rag. It is now predicting children, more children under five, will die worldwide from adverse effects of this lockdown over the next six months than have currently died worldwide from COVID-19 so far. Now we're told, we're told we have to trust Fauci by the smarty pants, blue check marks. Well, which Fauci are we supposed to trust? How much do you know what he knows? How do you know which Fauci the demigod? Uh, what kind of expert gets exalted for such an inconsistent and double-minded track record? And then, what kind of people wish to treat such an inconsistent and double-minded figure as their personal guru, certainly not people for freedom or liberty, you would, why would you base your life choices off his inaccurate and unreliable declarations? Mr. President, Anthony Fauci should be fired right now. He should have been fired three times already. You're fired. You're fired. You're fired. You're fired. You're fired. All right, gentlemen, your thoughts. I've, I've, I've shared mine. What do you think? It's got a beat and you can dance to it, brother. I mean, that's nothing. That's not a revelation on the part of the Steve Day show, clearly. I mean, that every part of that has been offered to you for months now it's breathtaking though to the degree that since that is true and it's not just us there have been other places that with big audiences that have been trying to get information be regardless of whether fauci's attached to it or not but getting information about this out to you yet here we still stand trying to pull ourselves out of the rubble that is liberty destroyed and economy destroyed largely just because right now our spirit animal is a person named Karen. The, it, it is, it is chilling the degree to which you could see a lot of this coming based on who we were before we had ever heard of a coronavirus how long on the show have we talked about idols how long on the show have we talked about if you can believe a thing like transgenderism is true where do you think that goes for this country down the road i told you before and i've been telling this to steve for years before i worked here 
that we're living in the time of the prophets. And listen, regardless of what we can possibly know about God's hand on our lives, our show, in this entire coronavirus thing, we've stood on that wall since at least March 12th. And that's just what I can document on Twitter. What actually our friends have documented uh, for me. We've stood on this wall and you've all had every single day an ability to wake up and make a decision for yourself with very few distractions. Cause listen, you haven't been allowed to do anything else. You've been forced to sit there and decide if you're going to let your life and your country be the idiocracy or not. Here's another choice today. In the face of that, you either choose freedom or, quite frankly, you choose to be an idiot. Go choose. Yeah, I mean, Fauci, Fauci is, there are so many metaphors to choose from. There are so many metaphors to choose from. I mean, he is, he is being treated like a small G god. By some, there were prominent, and you would know some of their names, prominent uh, figures, conservative media figures back in the middle of March, calling uh, Dr. Fauci, quote, a national treasure. Maybe, uh, maybe some of his work in the past has been helpful. There are doubts a lot. Uh, There are some doubts about uh, uh, some of his uh, work in the past, but there's, there can be no there can be no denying that this guy has not practiced medicine for a long, long time, for decades. He's been an entrenched bureaucrat for uh, longer than I've been alive. And just in the last few months, he's taken all sides, to quote President Trump, all sides of the equation on this. Nothing to see here. It's going to be in line with seasonal influenza. By the way, there's a video going around yesterday from Fauci, I think back in 2009, talking about how, well, well we, can't, we can't stop kids from, we can't do a national shutdown of schools. We got to keep kids going to school. Immediately, the same figures, and you know them as well, said, well, this is a different, this is a different virus. That's a flu, that's a strain of the flu virus. This is a different, we've had coronaviruses before, guys. Lots of different coronaviruses. So here's the situation with Fauci. He is in control as long as he is allowed to be in control. There's one person with the power to actually to actually set the narrative and actually get him out of making these decisions. You you saw the other day when Rand Paul pushed back on Fauci a little bit. Uh, You could see that he did not appreciate that. In his own uh, passive-aggressive bureaucratic way, oh, I don't, I don't make any recommendations about uh, economic matters or anything like that, except every single one that we've made over the last five right, months. Right. Except for those, yeah, no, you don't, you don't make any advisories on on economic measures. There are two options here. He is Dr. Fauci. He is a malevolent liar. At worst. At best, he's a misinformed uh, demigod of our own making, of his own making, uh, of those who who elevate him. Those are the only two options here. He's been wrong at every every step of the way. Well, he's just following the science. No, no, he's just reacting. He's just reacting. There's been no science, scientific. There's there's been no scientific uh, following here. 
from Dr. Fauci. They're just id and reaction. And he is, in large part, the reason why we're sitting here doing this right now. Doing this show right now and have been doing this show for the last two months. Meaning this show is in, uh, maybe we shouldn't uh, cause 36 million people, three more million people actually, Hmm. uh, last week filed for unemployment. Maybe we shouldn't take our economy and take everybody's way of life for a virus that we don't know very much about. But no, he had the answers every step of the way and each step of the way, it turned out he was wrong. The irony here is if he ends up being right at any point, it's going to be when we go back to the very beginning when he was downplaying its severity Uh, as we get more and more data. If at any point he ends up being right about this, it's going to be his initial downplaying of its overall severity, which, of course, though, by the time we get there, it'll have been and cost months of economic societal damage and ruin. And then that's not even counting on what will happen on the back end of this as the healthcare system gets re-slammed with everybody coming back, people that weren't treated when they could have been who end up dying or with more serious afflictions because they weren't caught in time when we talk about the food chain and everything else, just on and on and on and on it goes. This guy's the biggest, he's at least in the conversation for the biggest fraud I've ever encountered in my career. And the cult surrounding him's the dumbest I've ever seen. Ever seen. It's one thing to form a cult around a presidential candidate like Obama or Trump, a cult of personality around someone who could actually get elected and do things for you. It we don't necessarily uh, you know, cheer that on here on this show, but that's an understandable human instinct. But to form a cult around a guy who has been wrong about everything and has absolutely kneecapped your way of life in the process? At the very least, it is time for a second opinion. At the very least. If your own physician was this wrong about a serious matter in your life, you'd be dead four times already. You wouldn't be alive to file a lawsuit At the very least, it is time for a second opinion. There are numerous experts out there that disagree with this. And these are people, as we've been telling you all along, many of them think there's 57 genders too. And many of them think that the earth is going to fry in six months because of the temperature 10,000 years from now too. And many of them also think that Donald Trump should be expelled from the presidency too. This is not the right wing versus Anthony Fauci. This is a cult around a fraud that plenty of other people in the scientific and left community don't agree with. And they've all been ignored. All have been ignored from day one. They're called the nation of Sweden. Sweden's epi- chief epidemiologist is the, was the first ever director of infectious diseases for the European Union, the entire EU. It's the model for socialists in the world. This is not a pro-liberty country. They're just not dumb. Japan, France, Israel sent their kids back to school four days ago. Are we going to really sit here and argue that we care more about our children than a nation that literally faces existential oblivion from its own neighbors in its neighborhoods every day? Are we going to argue that? Really? 
Now, this has gotten to the point now, it's just reckless and dumb. It was wrong before, but now it's reckless and dumb. We've now got the Fauci stock market decline. End this, Mr. President. End it. There, I promise you there is no one who will think for three seconds on the first Tuesday in November about voting for you. Who's going to be offended by this. And the only people that will were never voting for you anyway. And who cares if he ends up the next Michael Avenatti on CNN? All that does is confirm the hack he's been the whole time anyway. Yeah, let him try to retcon this exactly. whole thing. Let him try. There's no loss here. You're either rid of him, one, or two, if he decides to become CNN's latest cause celeb. All it does is just confirm what he was doing the whole time anyway. You don't lose either way. There are other people out there. Universities all over the world. So all these other countries, which have a lot of things not in common... Totally different structures of government, ideology, culture, everything. They're all sending their kids back to school, but we can't. We've got governors drawing chalk lines around playgrounds and arresting moms for taking their kids there. While Shanghai Disney was sold out. Are you effing kidding me? Enough of this. It's just stupid now. End this. This guy's a fraud or a moron, and I don't care which one at this point, but end it. Put this scam down now. End this, or it's going to end your presidency. Gentlemen, you have any thoughts on that? I'm good. Can we take, I think we deserved a three minute break. Yeah, I just needed you guys to talk because I was going to blow oh. a gasket right there. This is- <laughs> My voice is going to give out. We still have an hour and a half left to go. Can you imagine the, the spirit animal that is the fusion of coronavirus and health expert and transgenderism that is this thing going on? In Pennsylvania, I mean, spirit of the age. Oh, it's a perfect metaphor. French kiss. Yeah, it's mm. a perfect, perfect, perfect metaphor. This is what we've been telling you. You can't believe dumb stuff like this and have this country sustain itself, no matter what our borders are, the oceans, or anything. You ha- you will die. You deserve to die as a people, as a nation, because that's just impossibly dumb. It's not compassionate. It's not love. It's not science. It's just garbage. We are in danger. We are in danger. You know, that no civilization, no kingdom of this world lasts forever. That's why we have encyclopedias and history books. But when you think down through the annals of great civilizations and empires who fell, and you think about the tipping point moment, right? When, when the Visigoths come over the wall, for example. When the Turks land uh, at Constantinople, for example. Right? You think about some of those moments where you knew this is a tipping point. When the Roman legions showed up in Gaul and Britannia and Germania. That, those were moments 
That changed the course of history. When the Christian missionaries then showed up in those old Roman uh, enclaves of Gaul, <laughs> Britannia, and Germania, that changed the course of history. Can you guys off the top of your head think of a society, a great society, a world power, a world superpower that more threatened to endanger themselves existentially for anything dumber than this? Anything. This is going to be the dumbest cultural implosion of all time. The dumbest. This is just stupid, man. It's just stupid. Think of, can you think of one historically dumber than this? No. As you've said before, at least the, the folks of Pompeii, when they, were, when they were faced with an existential crisis and danger out of their compl control completely, you know, at least they were getting it on, you know, as the, as yeah, the lava. Like, yeah, I, gotta get, I, gotta get, I gotta get, you know, one now, last orgasm uh, in. Yeah, now we're... We're now, under our beds! Now we're fretting about, uh, now we're fretting about at 127, or no, 121 in the morning about what the founding fathers would say about those who refuse to wear masks. That's what we're doing. Not naming any names, David French. I've said enough. More in a moment. Few months, millions of Americans have been homeschooling their kids and discovering just how badly the public school system has failed them. Maybe it's time to take back your child's education. And Freedom Project Academy is here to help you do exactly that. From the comfort, convenience, and safety of home, your children can receive an accredited classical online education built on Judeo-Christian values. For students in K-12, through it's a complete interactive educational experience where students attend live classes with other students across the country. Plus, the teach the teachers there at Freedom Project Academy. They teach their students how to think, not what to think. If you want to learn more about Freedom Project Academy, because they are filling up fast with uncertainty in the country right now for next year, go to freedomforschool.com and request your free information packet today. Enrollment has just begun, so take advantage of it at freedomforschool.com. Again, that's freedomforschool.com. State of Wisconsin yesterday, where you're from, Todd, uh, their Supreme Court, uh, even though they remanded it back to the legislature, by doing so, they dealt uh, a mortal blow, in my view, uh, to the lockdowns in Wisconsin and and probably a path forward for a lot of states going forward in the country. People have pointed out that it was a four to three decision. Well, there actually was one GOP appointed judge on the Wisconsin State Supreme Court that voted in favor of lockdowns. And he happened to be the one that was the chief legal counsel for Scott Walker when he was the governor there. The only GOP appointed judge that voted in favor of the lockdowns. That makes that's so incongruent, though. I mean, Scott Walker is the guy who stood up to the teachers union, isn't it? Yeah, it, it is. But we've talked about that on why yeah. Scott Walker just had a fetish for having a clean a data sheet uh, you know on payroll that's all he cared about other than that he's remember he's like went overseas to england running for president they asked him about global warming he literally said i'm gonna punt on that well 
Um, there has been a lot of uh, there's been a lot of punting from a lot of people trying to forget what they once said or thought about what has happened to General Flynn. I will not be one of them. I will own up to the fact that I have said all along until recently when new information was presented. I, I, I don't know anything other than how can I know anything other than um, he pled guilty? What else would I know other than that? Well, it turns out that I didn't know Jack squat because the amount of information we are learning about this right now continues by the day. Now I've guys, I've been involved covering courts. I mean, I was in, I was involved in the only successful effort in American history to uh, remove justices from the state Supreme court. I've had a lot of interaction with the legal community as a conservative activist and, and media figure. I have never heard of what judge Sullivan is doing right now, soliciting other people to come in and argue for him to overrule the department of justice and sentence him uh, to incarcer uh, incarceration. I've never heard of anything like this. Sean Davis is covering this right now for the federalist. And he's been covering it uh, this entire time as well. Good to see you, Sean. Thanks for joining us again. How are you? I'm well, thank you for having me. So Sean, let me start with that. How unique of a circumstance, and, and another disclosure, I used to clerk at a law firm before I got into conservative media. I have written all kinds of legal uh, documents and motions and, and procedures and everything else. All kinds of plea agreements. I've never heard ever of a judge bringing in third parties to come in and argue against whether or not he should honor the, the, the prosecutor's intent to drop charges and sentence someone anyway. How, how is this, is this really as rare as I think it is? The reason you've never heard of it is because it's completely unprecedented. Uh, the constitution vests in the executive, the authority to charge people, to indict people, uh, to prosecute them. It, it, it gives to the executive, the Department of Justice, uh, the authority to decide whether to bring charges or drop them. In, in no universe does a judge have the authority to be the prosecutor, the judge, and the jury. And yet that's what Emmett G. Sullivan is doing here. He doesn't, uh, for whatever reason, doesn't seem to like Michael Flynn. His uh, personal animus and hatred towards Flynn has been evident throughout this case. He called him a traitor. Uh, uh, in the courtroom, uh, something I've also never seen. And what's happening is he wants to stick it to Flynn. And so he is giving to himself authority he doesn't have under the Constitution, under the law, or even under the precedence and case law of his particular circuit. He has to know that this is never going to hold up on any kind of an appeal. Or and even on the off chance it did. Flynn would get pardoned in about five minutes, probably, from the president anyway. He has to know these things, right? So then why is this anything else other than political grandstanding? Well, I think it's probably part political grandstanding. I think it could also be clock running. He's hoping that maybe if he can delay this thing through the election, and if Trump loses, then whatever Democrat takes over will reinstitute, reinstitute the charges against Flynn. Uh, but yes, there's no way this will stand up. And I think what he is trying to do here is uh, force the president into pardoning Flynn to make sure that Flynn is never cleared within the system. Mm -hmm. He wants to tarnish and damage Flynn's name and reputation for eternity. And what better way to do that than to violate the law, violate his oath, violate case precedent, uh, violate the Constitution by bringing in parties who have nothing to do in a, in a trial. This isn't an, an appellate case where sometimes you might have amicus or amici parties come in. This is a trial court where you only have two parties the government and the defendant, both of whom uh, 
do not oppose, who consent to this motion to withdraw charges. So I suspect that the Department of Justice will be going to the D.C. Court of Appeals uh, with some sort of interlocutory appeal uh, to get rid of mandamus, ordering Judge Sullivan, uh, ordering the court to dismiss it on remand and possibly even removing the case from Sullivan's courtroom. I, I, I fully expect that'll be something that happens this week or next. Sean, I mentioned this the other day on the show when this story uh, first came out, when these um, when, when these materials were declassified and publicized. And, you know, as someone who also writes for a living, if, if I submitted a book manuscript to a publisher about a grand conspiracy to frame uh, a military hero, and and at the end, the culmination of the plot was that the conspiracy was revealed when uh, a, a couple of FBI agents in their own handwriting wrote down on paper that they were trying to entrap him and 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 just sign their names to it. I get laughed out like I couldn't get a literary agent that would like promote that manuscript to a publisher because it's a plot line that you think of in the third grade. And yet. This actually happened in real life. I'm blown away by that, Sean. I, I'm just I'm just blown away by the fact they just wrote it down in their own writing. Yeah, it did happen. And, and I've had so many people ask me, is it really as bad as it looks? And I said, no, no, it's actually much, much worse. Uh, we now know, thanks to declassified documents that were released yesterday, that the spying and unmasking of private citizens, including Michael Flynn, wasn't just something done by. Can you define unmasking right? for our audience, real quick? Pardon me if you don't mind, Sean. What does that mean? Uh, unmasking is where uh, an individual goes and finds surveillance that happens to pick up conversations from a private American citizen who would probably be defined as American person one or person two. And they go to the National Security Agency or whatever agency surveilled the individual and they say, hey, I want to know who that person was. And what we learned yesterday was that that unmasking was done at the highest levels of our government. They were done from the Oval Office. President Obama's chief of staff, Dennis McDonough, unmasked Flynn. Vice President Joe Biden unmasked Flynn. James Clapper, the DNI, unmasked Flynn. John Brennan, the head of the CIA, unmasked Flynn. These are not rank-and-file intelligence analysts just looking through a transcript and trying to figure out what is going on. These are the highest political actors in the country going after their political foes, spying on them, and then unmasking them so that they can leak that information to the media. Now, to defend the former vice president for a moment, Sean, if you don't mind, I'm sure when he tells us soon he doesn't remember this, he's probably going to be telling the truth about that, frankly, if you've been following his current state of mind. Your thoughts on that, Sean? I think you're exactly right. There, there has been a move uh, after it was revealed that he was in this January 5th, 2017 Oval Office meeting about Flynn, <clears throat> to, excuse me, to force him to answer questions. And the response that I've given is, uh, I, you know, I don't know what he was doing at the time. I don't think he knew he w what he was doing at the time. I don't know if he knows what he's doing right now. So I'm not sure we learn anything that we would like to know about what transpired in 2017 by asking Joe Biden anything, because I'm not even sure Joe Biden knows where he is right now. And I'm not trying to be rude or no. insulting. I, I think that's just the fact yeah. of the matter. He, do he doesn't know anything. So if you want to learn anything, you need to ask elsewhere. So much of my audience isn't, gonna, isn't watching CNN at night. Who is John Brennan? Who was he? And, and what's his role in all of this? John Brennan was the head of the Central Intelligence Agency, the CIA, at the time all of this was going on. John Brennan was the one who went to uh, former Democrat Senate leader Harry Reid with the dossier 
and had him go and bully Comey into opening a case. Uh, John Brennan is a bad dude. John Brennan has been behind so much of what's been going on. And now we know that it wasn't, again, some random intelligence uh, analyst in the bowels of the bureaucracy trying to analyze these. This was the head of the CIA looking to unmask conversations and transcripts of his boss's chief political enemy at the time. That is stunning. And if you think Watergate was a big scandal, uh, which involved a two-bit break-in of a party headquarters, imagine if it was Nixon himself uh, from the Oval Office going through all these files, and you begin to understand the gravity of what happened in 2016 and 2017. Is there any case they could make for probable cause here? Why they thought? Be, is, there, is there any rationale that they could state to why they suspected he might be a foreign agent given his previous dealings with Russia, Turkey, et cetera, that they could use to justify uh, anything other than just hardcore political partisanship here? No, because recall, uh, they had opened a, a case on Flynn, which they codenamed Crossfire Razor, uh, back in August of 2016. And according to the FBI's own documents, an electronic communication penned by the FBI actually closed out that case mm. against Flynn in late 2016, early 2017, because they found no evidence of anything, no evidence that he was a Russian spy, no evidence that he had colluded or coordinated or conspired with the Russians to steal the election from Hillary, no derogatory information whatsoever. They were going after Flynn under false pretenses because they wanted to knock out the man in the White House who would probably find out about their illegal spy campaign against the Trump campaign. It's that simple. What's, where's this all go in the end, do you think? That's a good question. So General Bill Barr, who I believe is the bravest man in Washington, given what he's been doing uh, to restore the rule of law and expose the wrongdoing in that investigation, dispatched a U.S. attorney, John Durham, who has a long history of uncovering FBI and government corruption, to dig into what happened both during the uh, campaign investigation and what happened in the investigation uh, that occurred after Trump won. And he is trying to get to the bottom of that. Uh, we don't know where that will end up. We don't know what the timeline is, but we know that somebody uh, with a history of, of revealing government corruption is on the case. Thank goodness. Before we let you go, let's switch gears really quick. And, and, and what's going on with Richard Burr, who I detest and loathe? So I don't want to just string him up just because I just think he's the he's the worst kind of Republican, frankly. But is there something really, really potentially bad here going on with him and corruption? So the background with Richard Burr is that he was allegedly given some confidential uh, congressional briefings on the potential devastating effect of the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, and then he went out and summarily sold a bunch of his stock, potentially told his brother-in-law, his family members to sell stock. And he, uh, I believe as of last night, his D.C. residence was raided by federal agents and they seized his phone and some of his records. Uh, what I find interesting about this, I don't know whether he's guilty, whether he's innocent. Uh, hopefully a, a, a fair investigation will figure that out. But recall, this is the man who chaired the Senate Intel Committee at the time the FBI, uh, who raided his home, was doing all its shenanigans against the Trump campaign in Flynn. And you have to wonder, had he been doing his job? Had he been doing actual oversight on the FBI, is this something that would have been allowed to happen, agents raiding a senator's home? And I, that's a question we'll just have to uh, hypothesize. Mm. Great stuff, Sean. Always appreciate having you on and the work you do there at The Federalist, man. Take care. God bless. All right. Thank you, sir. You bet.
gentlemen, I just hate everybody. Your thoughts? I just hate everybody. I, I just want to add this New York Post uh, headline uh, from earlier today regarding the uh, the Flynn unmasking and who knew. Uh, what did Joe Biden know and when did he forget it? That's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I hate everybody except the headline writer at the New York Post. Everybody but that, whoever that is. Um, I, that's, that's, it's also true. Yeah. It lands, yes. Uh, Sean Davis needs a helmet sticker. It, it can't be said enough by people like me who've personally experienced uh, being uh, railroaded uh, and having just about everything on the line for you. When, when people stand, despite the pressure to put this down, to just let, you know, I, there's too many other irons in the fire. I mean, it, look, it, as Steve said, you know, we're talking about 100 things on this show today. Uh, the, what, what, the perception of, of him declaring guilty. Well, over there, all the credit in the world to Sean Davis for standing that post, for doing the work, not for jingoistic reasons, because justice matters that much. Good one, uh, Sean Davis. Good one. Wouldn't it be ironic if, if Richard Burr's defense, if they try to charge him with anything, is ultimately, well, I think we've learned in the Michael Flynn case that the FBI can't be trusted. Yeah. <laughs> because the irony of that would be, as Sean pointed out, he's, he's the chairman of the Senate Intelligence Committee. I mean, part of his oversight job is overseeing uh, or, or providing congressional oversight to the sorts of uh, skullduggeries that we're mm -hmm. talking about right here, right? And then maybe he ultimately, I mean, that's... That would be the, a, a two-faced political move, but then to turn around and use the skullduggeries that he permitted either by commission or omission, right? Sure. A failure to act or by actively being in favor of it. We don't know, but whatever the case may be, then turns around and use, utilizes that for his own defense. Well, I mean, how do you know that the FBI can be trusted? I mean, look at, look at the way they've behaved and look at the way they've acted in these other cases, like, for example, Michael Flynn. And I think what it also shows, again, too, is how the truth is getting harder to find in our culture. It's getting harder to figure out what is true. Um, <laughs> what institutions do we trust right now? Who do you trust? Give me, give me an institution in America that you give the benefit of the doubt to, either one of you. That, that does not exist. Well, we closed all the uh, asylums, so that's an institution that is not even on the table anymore. I, I can't think of one. No, because the same spirit of the age infects them all. So how do we push back? If the truth is harder to find in our culture today, how, 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 do, we, how do we spot the liars? We're going to talk about that with Theology Thursday when we come back. For hour number two and then three non-political questions right here on Blaze TV Radio and Podcast. Stay tuned. with hour two live and on demand on blaze tv radio and podcast steve dace here with todd erzin and aaron mcintyre 888-933-93 is the number here to the blaze well 888-933-93 everything is blooming at my house right now so my, my voice is a little inconsistent uh also uh, steve at stevedace.com is how you can email us that's d-e-a-c-e -E. like us on facebook follow us on twitter at steve dace show 
And if you're looking for samples of this show that you can share with others, go to youtube.com slash Steve Dace, youtube.com slash Steve Dace. And don't forget, if you are a podcast listener, if you wouldn't mind leaving us a five-star review, please keep leaving us those. Thousands of you have done this uh, on behalf of this program already. Thank you. We appreciate each and every one. And the more of those we get, please keep them coming because the more of those we get, the more it helps the show to grow. All right. If you've not left us one yet, what are you waiting for? Chances are you're one of the 36 million unemployed right now. So you have some time. Coming up here at the bottom of the hour, we'll get to three non-political questions, but we're going to start off with Theology Thursday. Brought to you by Rough Greens. Here's something you probably don't know about your dog's food, that dry kibble stuff. Well, there's nothing alive in it uh, because they do the same thing to our dog's food that they do to our food. In order to have a long shelf life for mass consumption, uh, it's stripped of all the live organisms uh, so that it will stay fresher longer. That's cool and all, but the problem is those are really the things we need from our food even more than the taste, right? It's all those nutrients. That's why we're taking all these supplements nowadays as people. Well, the same thing for our dogs. Uh, they need a premium dog food supplement as well. And that's where Rough Greens comes in. It's not a dog food. It's a powder that you sprinkle on your dog's food. And it apparently tastes great because our dog absolutely loves it. It contains massive amounts of vitamins, minerals, digestive enzymes, probiotics, even omega oils and antioxidants. The stuff that supports a healthy skin and coat, improves digestion, and gives your dog youthful energy. Proving the mobility, joint health as well. And best of all, again, it tastes great. So if you want to see your dog uh, bounce back stronger than ever, take the Rough Greens 14-Day Jumpstart Challenge today for just $14.95. Just $14.95 for two weeks. When you go to roughgreens.com slash blaze, that's R-U-F-F for Rough Greens. That's how they spell it. Roughgreens.com slash blaze. That's roughgreens.com slash blaze. Well, we started this year off with the theme, and we always get together right before we leave for Christmas break and start talking about, hey, let's at least, you know, whiteboard it out. What are we looking at for next year and big stories we think are on tap, events, and then, you know, what's the theme? Because I'm, I'm big in, in, in evolution, smally. Um, you know, two of my all-time favorite bands are U2 and The Beatles. And the amount of iterations of the Beatles that existed just from when they came here to the States in 1964 to when they broke up in 1970. I mean, the amount of different iterations. You had mod Beatles. You had hipster Beatles. You had psychedelic hippie Beatles. You had grunge Beatles, peacenik Beatles. I mean, I mean they, they went through several major evolutions where it's... A, it, in six years, they went from "I want to hold your" from one, "I want to hold your hand" to "and love me do" to "let it be," and get back. They did that in six years. That's that's an insane amount of updating and and self awareness and evolution. And so, for I think that's cool and, and key for us as a show too is I'm really big on doing things that have proven to be successful. You know, I'm a conservative. I believe in conserving things that have already proven to be worthy. So we are always looking to evolve on the show here so that it doesn't get stale. It stays fresh. Plus, I need to, on a personal level, I bore easily. That probably doesn't shock anybody, but I get bored easily. I'm always like moving on to like what the next big thing or project is, right? Um, I'm interested in, you know, getting in there, getting the win, and then what's next. So for me, 
And to be effective doing this, I, I need to make sure that we evolve. That's why I like having a new theme every year and kind of it kind of gives us a, a plumb line of how we're seeing the year's events. And you'll recall that our theme this year, our very first day we announced it, January 6th with our first day back on the, on the air after Christmas. And it was assume you're being lied to. And I'm, I'm just kind of laughing as I remember some of the conversations we were having about it back here in the break room before we left for Christmas, you know, and we were like, that's really going to be, that, this is really pushing it, man. I mean, we're, and we even talked about at the time, you know, how the polling industry has largely been left, ex well, the horse race polling, don't ever, don't ever trust their issue-based polling. That's all biased because it's all, it's all asked, questions asked from their point of view on the left, right? But the horse race polling, especially after what happened in the 2000 Florida recount when the exit polls were so off, has, has, has largely been kept in a vault, locked away from all the other media bias. And it's proven to be fairly noteworthy. Let's see if I thought the polls were wrong in 2016. No, they weren't. Actually, they were pretty much spot on. It was the forecast modelers who were wrong, okay? Who overestimated what the polls meant. And one of the things I even talked to you guys about, and I was like really struggling with it at the time. Do you remember this? I'm like, sure. I, I think it's possible, man, if we're just making up Russian collusion and stuff whole cloth, that at this point going into this presidential election year, I, I don't know why we'd think any of the horse race polls are just are, are, are legit. Yeah. And even though we didn't all necessarily have the same reaction to a specific storyline mm -hmm. like that, all of us had enough of our own and right. agreed about why we had them that that's why we can, we got and we, we we have to listen to the crazy voices in our head that's where yeah. we were and i think if you know me personally you know how big of a revelation that is for me to be willing to admit that because i need objective data one of the things if you ask sometimes why we don't comment on certain stories like why i used to get in trouble at salem when we would have school shootings and I would not talk about him on the air that night because I don't know what happened. I'm not going to be in a, in a hurry to give a political opinion. I'm going to wait till we know something. Well, it's breaking news. Well, yeah, it's breaking news, but what, this isn't a breaking news show. It's an analysis show. How do I analyze something if I don't know what's true? Remember those days? They, they would get mad at me about that. And there's certain stories now you'll notice we haven't touched at all, like the, the, what would happen to the young man in Georgia. We've not touched on that story at all. Why? Because I don't know what happened. I don't know what I'm analyzing. I don't know what occurred. I know what seems to be likely happened, but I, why be in a hurry to be wrong? Why be in a race to be wrong about something? We, we Me, just learned about Flynn. Right, right. I was wrong about that. My take on that was, I don't know what the truth is, and so I can only go by he, himself, pleading guilty. I don't have the power to investigate both sides' claims, so the only thing I can go by is he pled guilty, so I have to assume he cares more about his innocence than I do. That was essentially my take. But in your defense, you weren't you weren't aggressively wrong. You 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 just refused to virtue signal about this thing. I, you said, I cannot know yeah. beyond that, yeah. so I have to set this aside. Yeah, and so I, I don't know what happened in Georgia. And when we know for certain, 
that will be the time I'll have all kinds of opinions and analysis for you, but I don't know what happened there. And so you'll also see in my Twitter feed, it's rare I will glom on to whatever the trend of the day du jour is. And that's probably why I don't have more followers and things of that nature is because that's where the, where, where the action is. But I, I just, I'm not in a hurry to give you a whole bunch of free shots at me. I'm going to give you all kinds of opportunities to take shots at me without even trying. <laughs> Why give you free ones, right? So for me to say, though, I'm not even sure the polling data, for me to say that going into a presidential election, that's, that's a big revelation for me because I'm a data-driven guy. <laughs> that seems freaking just laughably silly sitting here today on May 14th, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. We're not even halfway through this year. And I remember sitting back there looking at you guys. guys I, man, I, I think maybe when we, when we, we won't even be able to trust the polls in the presidential election this year. And I like said this with like hushed tones. You know, like I'm really giving up the ghost here. Before Epstein didn't kill himself and Ukrainian calls with, where only one or two witnesses in the entire impeachment actually were on the call, right? I mean, this... And then Fauci and coronavirus. Good. Our show has been the X-Files for yes. five months now. I'm breaking down. UFOs are legit and real. <laughs> Is that a trumpet I hear? I mean, goodness... <laughs> We're so far. It seems like that conversation out in the break room was 10 years ago, man. It was, in, it was six months ago. That's what I'm telling you. We're living in the time of the prophets, man. Nailed it. So if the truth is, is harder than ever to acquire in our culture, one thing that would help us is to identify what's false. So we've been doing this thing at our church where we've been going through the New Testament. We're down, I think, to only a couple more units and then we finish this. And part of this class that we're taking on the New Testament in our home is I've got to write an essay uh, every single week to finish the class based on something that I'm asked or I wanted to, I want to discuss. And I've been sharing those essays with you guys throughout the course of this year as I go through this class on the New Testament. Here's today's or this week's essay, and we're going to talk about it. Compare Second Peter and Jude regarding the warnings concerning false teachers. Explain the specific dangers referred to and the manner in which these dangers can be confronted. Are you aware of any false teachers today? What is attractive about their message? How can you warn others of these false teachings? Doesn't it seem like this is a good time to have this conversation? Well, in our case, we're we're resetting it. Yes, you've been having this conversation for how long in your career? I, and I just and that's why I was suspicious of of Anthony Fauci from the beginning. If I have learned anything in this business in my career, always distrust the person that everyone convinces you is above reproach. Always say it with me now. Total depravity. I haven't gotten the Catholic to my right here to sign up for too many post-reformational doctrines, but I got him to sign up for that one. Total depravity. Count on it. Count on it. 
count on it with me. You don't want to follow me around all the time. You don't want to go know what thoughts are rattling around in my brain all the time. You don't want to you don't want to you don't want to go through every single page of my search history for the last 15 years. We've all got red in our ledger. That's why we need a savior. We're all bad and we all want to do bad things. That's that's why we need a savior. I'm not above reproach, trust me. These guys work with me. They'll tell you. Am I above reproach? No. No. Yes, no. you are. <laughs> right answer. Please pay me tomorrow. Yes. Tomorrow is payday. I just remembered that. Yes. Thank you for reminding me, actually. No. I'm not above reproach. Don't, because other people in our industry have disappointed you, do yourself a favor. Don't make me your hero. Don't. I've told you for years. Make sure all your heroes are dead. Dead. So everything's been written. You know everything. The score's out, and you can, you can sift through everything from there. Okay. I'm not, I'm not a hero here. We do these things on our show the way we do them because we recognize our own, our own fallibility. Because we recognize. It is my recognition of how I'm always on a knife's edge that drives me to have the, zealot, the, the, the zealotry that I have. It doesn't come from a sense of self-righteousness at all. It comes from the opposite impulse I am a sinner. I'm the man at the temple pounding my chest. Lord, have mercy on me. That's where my zealousness comes from. So how do we identify this person or persons? If I could summarize what Peter's final epistle and Jude's letter to Jewish Christians that were caught up in the grips of Gnosticism. That's who Jude was writing to. The first heresy, we've talked about this before, secret knowledge. That God really hasn't, hasn't fully revealed himself. Well, no, he hasn't fully revealed himself. He doesn't have to. He has sufficiently revealed himself. Those are two different things. Okay? He sufficiently revealed himself. If we apply the, the, the axiom, you know a tree by its fruit. We say this about believers in a positive light, right? Couldn't we reverse that? We should. Let's do it. Let's reverse it. So if you look at, if you look at 2 Peter, he lays out several criteria for a false teacher. Their teaching is destructive, is the first one. Peter calls them, quote, destructive heresies meaning that these are teachings that lead people astray off of the narrow road of grace and truth. And wide uh, is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. They lead you there instead. Therefore, an important distinction, though, has to be drawn here. A false teacher is not someone you disagree with even vehemently. Uh, not on a matter of dispute through the ages. I mean, if I... If I disagree with you vehemently about whether Christ rose again or not, you're a false teacher, in my view. That's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about matters that are absolutely settled within orthodoxy. We're talking about the matters that aren't, that we can all disagree with each other to some degree on, even vehemently. Um, for example, um, method of baptism, eschatology, nor is a false teacher necessarily someone that is teaching a doctrine falsely. 
That teacher could be sincere, just sincerely in error. Accepting of correction. Or if they're not accepting of correction, they're at least willing to hear you out. False teachers don't have contrarians. Understand that. False teachers don't tolerate contrarians. A false teacher is actively and willfully leading those they're shepherding literally down the highway to hell. They are attempting to disregard or deconstruct that which the scriptures declare to be settled and essential. Therefore, they have little appetite to come now and reason together, since that will risk them being exposed. They won't show up at councils often. They risk exposure. Second, false teachers will malign and slander true teaching and teachers. Peter says, the, uh, Peter says, quote, the way of the truth will be blasphemed, he says, with false teachers. This means false teachers will hold in contempt those who revere God and his word. They'll turn it around on you. They'll turn you into the heretic. You're the legalist. You're the Pharisee. A subtle example of this, let me give you an example of how this works. The term puritanical in our culture today is a good example of this. It has become a verbal slam in our time. Even in the Christian community, writ large it has. It usually means to define tight wads, killjoys, whose primary goal is to go out there and limit the amount of orgasms and revelry around them. I think H.L. Mencken once defined a Puritan as someone who is upset because somewhere someone is having a good time. I think that was H.L. Mencken's line, how he defined puritanical, right? Except, do you know anything about the Puritans? Do you know anything about them at all? Well, they were especially known for their fertility. Probably the greatest American Puritan preacher ever, Jonathan Edwards, had 11 children. And none of them were adopted nor immaculately conceived. Uh, he and his wife, Sarah, had all of them the old-fashioned way. Not to mention the Puritans were literally responsible for founding the country you and I live in. The one that now slanders their name. Uh, the country that defined for the world what freedom and liberty truly meant, by the way. That doesn't mean that you have to agree with them on everything. doesn't mean they were right about everything. It doesn't mean they were infallible. That, that's a false argument. We're not going to go from one extreme to the other. But the idea that just whole cloth, we're going to turn a term that refers to people who risked their lives on a rickety boat to give birth to the nation we now are blessed to live in and trying our hardest to ruin. Um, that we're just going to whole cloth turn their turn, the, their namesake into a term of prejudice, bias, slander. That's an example of what I mean by a false teaching. False teachers are driven by greed. Peter says, quote, in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. I believe we see ample, ample evidence of this in our culture today. Uh, the so-called prosperity gospel, that's an obvious choice. But I think it's more complicated than that. I, I've listened to numerous adherents of the so-called word of faith movement over the course of my, 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 my faith walk. Numerous. Every name you could think of, I've heard at least one of their shows podcast, watched them on TBN at least once, I promise you. Every one of them. I was like, there was a period of time after my conversion, I was obsessed with exploring all of these various uh, theological strains within the church because I want to know what's real and what's not. 
And I actually found there are several of them that will teach the need for salvation from sin. I'm not going to mention their names because as soon as I do that, it's going to lead me down an entire rabbit hole. And I, I'm not here to defend their credibility. That's their job. Okay. But it's not as simple as everybody who believes in this and, and is part of the word of faith and it, it shows up and, and all of them don't teach repentance of sin. That, I, that's not true. I've heard it with my own ears, seen it with my own eyes. I've heard some of them, even some of them that are well-known, call people to repentance that is only found in Christ, but they will then turn around and then teach that part of the blessing of your redemption is prosperity. They will do that. But, but I've, I've seen sin and repentance preached by some of these people. So there's a fascinating gray area there that probably needs to be debated more closely, and we're probably not qualified on this show as laymen to do it. But then there are those who preach that the prosperity and the blessing is the salvation itself. Now, that's, that's an important distinction. That's where most, if not all, of their emphasis is placed in place of repentance and redemption. I'll give you a name there. Guys, book's on the back shelf behind me here. That would be Joel Osteen. I love it when you guys email me. I can't believe you have, a, you have Joel Osteen behind you. Doesn't that undermine everything you're trying to say? Yes, which is exactly why he's there. An evangelist friend of mine, Todd Friel, gave me this board game as a gift several years ago. We opened it up one day and played it on the show. And it's every bit speaking to you in the forked tongue that you can possibly imagine. Isn't it based on wonder? Isn't he calling wonder words, right? The whole goal of the game is to acquire what Osteen calls wonder words, which are basically just self-help affirmations. Is that what it is? Do you remember? I or, don't. Or have, you, I, have you expunged I've been recovering from, your... from that day ever since we did it. <laughs> How many Hail Marys did the priest tell you to say after playing that game? <laughs> All right. Um, I would put a Joel Osteen in this camp. I'd put a Creflo Dollar kind of person in this camp. And as I've told you for years, at this point, man, if you're falling for the canard of a past, of a fake pastor with the name Dollar, if you're giving him your money, I, I really don't have much. I, I don't sympathize with you. I mean, that's kind of a stupid tax as far as I'm concerned. If you didn't see that one coming, then I can't help you. All right. If you didn't see the guy named Dollar saying, buy me a new jet airplane coming, that's kind of a you problem right there. Is that biblical? I don't know. I'm still, I'm going to go with it though. <laughs> right. So that's the difference that, that the prosperity in and of itself is the salvation. False teachers, number four, tend to be a mile wide and an inch deep. Oh boy, do we see this? Peter compares them to quote, irrational animals spouting off about, quote, matters of which they are ignorant. Yes, that's your, that's your nicer than God, Apostle Peter. These people are morons, irrational animals, talking about things they don't know a dang thing about. Social media is the HQ for this in our current culture, all right? Folks who read a Dan Brown book out of the fiction section once and now feel qualified to spout off about the Council of Nicaea they know nothing about and can't spell right, right? That's popular. Folks who are convinced only the red letters in the Bible are revelation without any basis for that conviction at all other than that's my opinion and I'm sticking to it. Folks whose favorite Bible verse is Matthew 7 taken out of context, you know, that whole judge not lest ye be judged thing. Um, as someone who works in the arena of ideas for a living, man, I am insulted. I got to tell you, we need a better class of heretic in America. I am insulted at the ignorance of most of our scoffers in our culture, how simple it is to crush their challenges. Um, and, and because we live in an era where emotion is a substitute for exactness. 
I emote, therefore I am. I feel strongly about this, so it's true. Many people believe something is true based on their passionate belief in it. And if they passionately don't believe in it, that means it's not. Well, I don't believe Jesus rose again. So? Okay. So what? That doesn't mean he did or didn't. Your belief that he did doesn't mean that he didn't, or your belief that he didn't doesn't mean that he didn't any more than my belief that he did does. The question is, what is our belief based on? Our belief, this is what we talk about with scientism today, that truth is not to be observed and discovered, but conjured. Conjured. I believe this, so it's true. My truth. It's my truth. I believe I have washboard abs. I am now going to remove my shirt, confident in my belief, and show them to you. Except I won't. Because this show is really growing right now, and I would like for that to continue. Yeah, don't make terroristic threats, Steve. <laughs> uh, Steve, that's the Department of Homeland Security on the other line, sir. Yes. All right. Dude, gravity was there before the apple fell on Newton's head. We were not, we were not just floating in the ethereal. And then the apple fell on Newton's head one day, and then we believed in gravity. And, and now our feet are firmly attached to terra firma. That's not how it works, guys. All right? Number five, false teachers will profit off of their lies. Peter even compares them to Balaam. If you know Balaam from your Old Testament, he was a notorious pagan diviner who would call down curses on people for money. So you see how this plays out today. There's, there's this certain group of theological skeptics that are on like in every one of these shows, whenever they, whenever they want to, you know, deconstruct Christianity. One of these names you see on, you've seen on these shows for like 20 years. His name is John Dominic Crossan. You may not know the name, but if you've watched any of these deconstructions of Christianity on History Channel, National Geographic, CNN, going back to the 90s, he's on every last one of them. He lulls you in with that sweet Irish bro. Yes. yes. So you know who I'm talking oh, about. I know yeah. who he is, yeah. I mean, there, one of the first versions of this in America was a guy named William J. or P. Ingersoll. That was convinced after reading uh, the, the Origin of Species, the Bible wasn't true. Moses could not have written the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, and therefore the whole Bible's false. And he went around a whole tour, all over the barnstorming tour around the country, called The Mistake of Moses, selling out arenas. Now, the reason you don't know about this guy is because shortly after his popularity peaked, a science called archaeology was discovered. And several of the claims he was making in his, in his barnstorming tour, the Hittites never lived. We're not sure there was ever a King David or a Jesus. All right. These were things he would say and, and people like, oh, scandalous. Maybe he's right. And then this, this thing called archaeology happened and found that all these things are actually true. And he got memory hold faster than you can say Las Vegas shooter in the 19th century. But for a time, he was too legit to quit, man. He was selling out everywhere, everywhere. One of the best antidotes to false teachers are what you see in Jude when he says, use your most holy faith to build yourself up strong, keep yourself in God's love, show mercy to those who have doubts. We have, this is where now those of us who have more certainty about our faith need to be careful with those who are young or still struggling. That if, if, if we don't show them having doubts, the mercy Jude talks about here, and I think it's key for Jude to be a one to talk about mercy, because if you read the rest of his epistle, it's pretty short. It, we would call it today a polemic. It is literally just a one-page rant 
on false teachers and just like slitting all their throats in print. That's what Jude essentially is. And then at the end, he says, but show mercy to those who have doubts. <laughs> okay. Kind of slide it in there somewhere. <laughs> yes. But this is key because I think we, and this is for people like me, I think we have to be careful that we don't drive people who are in exploratory phases or learning or new that if, if they're not at, on point on everything right away, that we just don't crush them and drive them into the arms of false teachers. Also, one way that we show mercy is teaching real truth and not shallow truth. Because if you teach shallow truth, you, you, you fatten up your children for the likes of the Rob Bells of the world who come and take advantage of them later on. So hopefully there, there's some good talking points, some, some good strategy points as we try to navigate this era of assuming you're being lied to. Who's telling the truth or at least trying to find it and who's lying to us? More in a moment. Well, be honest, since the lockdown started, have you fallen prey to the dreaded quarantine 15? Well, now that the warmer weather is here, why not hit the reboot button, reboot button with May and turn that into your new January and get back on track to your weight loss and fitness goals and doctor-developed Riduzone is an excellent way to help you because it curbs those cravings for the fattening foods that derail our discipline. Backed by two U.S. patents, Riduzone is also the only FDA-accepted product that includes OEA, which is the naturally occurring molecule that helps you to feel full faster while burning stored fat and reducing your calorie intake. Riduzone makes it easier to resist those cravings that make it so harder so much harder for you to stay on the wagon, stay disciplined, and reach your goal weight. So use the promo code Steve to save up to 65% off. And you'll get free shipping as well. That's a tremendous discount with free shipping at Riduzone.com. R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E for Riduzone.com. Promo code Steve to get that discount and the free shipping. 65% off plus free shipping at Riduzone.com. Promo code Steve. Either one of you want to comment on what we just discussed for Theology Thursday before we get to non-political questions. Todd, you had something to say? Yeah, th you, you absolutely did uh, address it, but I want to make sure it's clear. When you listen to that at home, the, the worst frame of mind you can be in is simply applying all of the, all of the models and examples that Steve talked about to those other people as if you're finished or you're immune to that mm -hmm. you don't have a special grace he's talking about you and if he's not talking about you right now he might be talking about you later this is a lifelong thing we must participate in uh, many of you you uh, have probably heard of a catholic thinker by the name of origin i i believe fourth or fifth century forgive me if i'm wrong about that mm -hmm. but pound for pound at his height he is including amongst the great christian thinkers and apologists with it, it, it second to none but there's a reason we don't call him saint origin he because he fell into heresy he poor humorless origin was the punchline late in his life he actually castrated himself because he was so overcome by these demons and the simply believe that grace could not uh handle that well we are dealing right now with coronavirus 
conservative blue checks, I, I won't name them, but they have seemingly undeniably been part of authentic Christian witness in their lives. And now they have been telling you for the last couple of months, literally, not just implied literally, that your that the fear you have is the gospel. It's not. It never can be. It never will be. My point being is you must be on guard all of the time. You never get a free pass, no matter how scary things get, no matter how hard things get. The message Steve had about heresy isn't just some theoretical thing. It's about you every day of your life. It's about me. Yeah. That's why why you addressed it. You did. Yes. I'm, I'm not the hero of this story. I'm not. Don't make me the new guy because the other guy upsets you or disappoint you. No, there's, there's one of the coolest things I've ever seen ever in my life is I was at, um, not the one where I was converted, but uh, a, a few years later, I was at another promise keepers event. It was held here in Des Moines and, uh, Chris Tomlin was in his band were the worship band for the event. And, um, they did one of his signature songs, famous one, and the whole theme of the song is the only person that's famous is Jesus. That's the only person famous. The rest of us are the are, are lucky to be the JV team, basically. And when he gets done and everybody's singing along to the chorus and stuff, when they get done, it turns out this is the last song of their set. When they got done, they turned the lights off and just walked off the stage. Didn't take any applause didn't come out for any kind of encore. They just to reinforce that message. They just finished the song with everybody into it at the end, turned the lights off, walked off. Just thinking about it again, man, gave me a little body chill thinking about that moment. Okay. Trust me. I'm going to let you down. I already have. I did yesterday. I will tomorrow. I'm not the hero. Okay. I'm not. What drives me to do some things other shows won't do is my recognition of that. That I'm a kid born to a 15-year-old mom. That before many of you came to know me, I fornicated with legions of women, both real and imaginary. I'm not, including my own wife before we got married, I'm not your hero. I'm not the hero here. I'm not the new thing. I'm not the, the up-and-comer or the next guy in. I'm not any of that. I'm just a guy named Steve for all of my issues and all of my faults. I will have this platform not one day less or one day more than God has ordained. And then after that, I'll still be just a guy named Steve. That's the, that's the perspective I think more and more of us need. Ready for three questions? You bet. Let's do it. We all have questions. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? Who am I? A search and a question of identity. Why am I here? A question of meaning and purpose. Where am I going? A question of destiny. Some better than others. What sort of morality or proto-morality would you expect to find in a chimpanzee troop? Injecting some levity into the demise of Western civilization. It's three questions on the Steve Day Show. Oh, that's me. That's my yeah. cue, isn't it? Yeah. Hey, three Basically, non-political questions yeah. on the Steve Day Show because we need a little break from coronavirus and uh, everything that that entails. 
uh, team lockdown uh, update uh, therein. And before we actually get to to uh, three non-political questions, I'm looking at a thread from a New York Times reporter who is uh, detailing various experts' findings that going outside and getting fresh air and sunshine is actually good for you. Huh. Huh. Who could have thunk that? Hang me. Yeah. Oh, Somebody man. get a rope and hang me. Yeah. I feel like good mo- we're in good morning Vietnam territory that now. That is just okay. crazy. Who could have thunk? Anyway, uh, question number one. What was the first moment your spouse had a who did I marry moment with you? Oh, wow. It doesn't have to be serious. I mean, it can be. I'm, no, I'm. You want to take uh, this one first? Go well, ahead. Well, it de- See, there's the they they fall in love with you because they like they have. She was looking for the, the level of certainty about about matters of faith, conviction. Just stand on this uh, wall. You want me on this wall? You know there is there is absolutely that, but. Th- it's a conversation at the beginning and they see it in the simple ways of just you know being a man how you treat her and things like that but i i i warned her you know when it actually happens in very convicted ways it's it's you're going to see the sausage get made it's not pretty and she's not she's the exact opposite of me she is not comfortable with that level of aggressive conflict and so yeah that that was hard that was really hard it's not easy for her to this day it's why for the most part she doesn't watch the show (laughs) um it didn't take long uh in our situation when i went to move her here from michigan and i you know we had to rent a trailer and stuff with her stuff and drive it back here i'd never done anything like that on my own at all and there was a driving rainstorm and we're going over that uh, the that bridge over the Mississippi River. You know which one I'm talking about, where you're high in the air, going over the Mississippi River. You know, at the on Illinois, eight, on eighty, yeah, on oh, eighty, yeah. Oh, the sure. Illinois Iowa border. And we're going over that, and it's a driving rainstorm and all kinds of wind. And I'm driving my car with her U-Haul trailer on the back of it, and it's swaying all over the place. <laughs> and that summer, it was the summer of 1996, I think it was. They were doing construction on that on that bridge. And they were trying to they were trying to widen it, which meant in order to do that though, the lanes at that point were temporarily narrower, and they were all solid white. You couldn't pass or any of that nature. So these are narrower lanes. I'm going over this thing with a trailer, and uh, um, she's crying because it's the first time she's ever left her mom and dad, and I can't focus. I can't concentrate. And I don't remember what I said, something like, I need you to stop crying. I mean, if otherwise we're going to get in an accident and we're never going back to Michigan if something bad happens. <laughs> and check, please. Yeah. Yeah. So she likes to tell that story. So that that would be that would probably be it. Yeah. yeah. My, mine is a little bit more in innocence. Um, I'm sure there have been other moments in the last five months or so, but uh this one sticks out to me because of recency bias. But the other night, I don't even remember what led up to this, but she just looked at me and she said, have you ever thrown away a t-shirt before? And, uh, I don't think I actually have, I've lost t-shirts, but I don't think I've, I've ever thrown away a t-shirt before. 
That's my story. Isn't that cool? Yes. Uh, question two. If you could go to the movie theater right after the show. Trust, trust can, I, can I, can hold on. Hmm. I can promise you. I could promise you if you gave her sodium pentothal, that would not be the moment that she chose. I can promise you. Probably not. Yeah. Uh, question two. If you could go to the movie theater right after the show and watch a movie, but you had to choose from these, which would you choose? All right. This is my kind of question. Good. Yes. No, it's not. Trust oh, me. Break them. Okay. Break them. Yeah. Uh, a, Iron Man 3. B, Rodgers and Hammerstein's South Pacific C, Brokeback Mountain, or D, Waterworld. Which would you choose? I thought Waterworld was oh, underrated. I didn't I mind Waterworld at the time. Waterworld, that was good. Yeah, I just watched Iron Man three again because we're going through the Marvel MC movies. No one I like what you. What order are you going in? Well, I didn't just watch again again, but when we watched it, when we got to it. Oh, okay. Okay, like three weeks ago. Oh, I okay, watched okay, it again. okay, yeah, gotcha. All right. okay. And now that I knew all the deconstruction of these characters I love was coming, I, I actually enjoyed, was able to enjoy it more because I, I knew it was coming. So I'm, and I'm, it was almost 10 years ago now. So I'm over uh, being upset about it. You know what I'm saying? But um, so I, I might say Iron Man 3, although. Waterworld wasn't as bad, I remember at the time, as as it was made out to be. And so maybe I'd choose that just out of curiosity because I haven't seen that thing in probably like 20 years or whatever. I got frustrated with Iron Man at the very end with, you know, Pepper. and But like I liked... I'm, I liked the um, the Mandarin thing. That was funny to me. I, 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 I totally get while it's sacrilege to pure comic book fans. I, I didn't hate the movie at all. I, I was entertained. And then at the end, I was like, well, that was dumb. But they, so, so I would definitely go see that again. But also Waterworld, I, I don't understand. Like it's only it's because there was so much hype and so much money spent on that thing. And OK, it doesn't turn out to be I don't know. What's what's the what's the gold standard for that kind of movie that had that much hype and wasn't a superhero movie but there was the payoff i think the two of them are ishtar with dustin hoffman and and, uh well and uh yeah who who am i thinking of uh warren Beatty. warren Beatty. thank you and then uh the other one was uh heaven's gate from the 70s but what's like a good one like that really did that wasn't a superhero movie that spent tons of money like that and did was undeniably great wasn't there a batman one at one point that was just a I guess we huge could, hole in the pocket, but Titan, I'm ta- like Titanic. Yeah, uh-huh. that actually uh, people loved it. Yeah. It did well. I don't, yeah. but I don't. I never understood. I That's had an all time high grossing yeah. film of all time. Yeah. I had a good time watching Waterworld, and the one that came after that, people hated that the po- postman where he played this like post apocalyptic mail carrier. Do you remember I that? I remember one? that. Yeah, I also was like that was fun. That was cool. Okay. That's why we go to the movies. For me, it'd be Iron Man three. First half of that movie was great, um, up until the kid the scenes with the kid and then it just went off the rails after that uh question three if you were starting a band which artist amongst those still alive would you select for lead guitar bassist drummer and lead singer and what would you call the band band would be called backdoor cover um or non-essential employment or non-essential maybe we just go with that backdoor cover or non-essential is what we would call it um Living guitarist. I mean, I have no idea what skill set he has right now, but I mean, Eddie Van Halen's an all-time great, right? So I, I, I would go with him. I'm just going to either say I agree or not. Okay. I think I, I agree. Excellent choice. Um, some of the greatest frontmen of all time, Robert Plant, 
Roger Daughtry are still alive. Just the El Elton John, their voices are shot. Um, so maybe I'd go with Bono then because he can still bring it. So maybe I'd go with him. I think you were right with Robert Plant. It doesn't matter whether they're shot now or not. That, it, that, it doesn't matter if they're shot now? I don't think so. Because I think Planter, Planter, Daughtry are the two greatest front men, I think, of all time. So it would be one of those two. Um, and that's a tough call, man. You want to take one and I'll take the other? Which one do you and want? Ba what, bassist or drummer? No, I'm talking about singer. You, which one do you want? Oh, I, no, I would go for Robert Plant. Okay, Robert. I'll take Daughtry then since you're taking Plant. That way they, they both got picked. Uh, drummer, well, the guy from Rush is dead now. I think the greatest drummer of all time, Keith Moon, has long been dead. Um, What's a, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know who I would pick for that then. And then bassist? Is it Adam Clayton? So we're just going to go like the whole U2 thing? Is that what we're going to do? Okay. Um, you know what? Paul McCartney is still alive. He played bass. That way I'm doubling up, man. I get another great, I get another vocalist, another great How about songwriter. Phil Collins on the drums? I love that call. You can, that, now we're tripling up, right? Because the rare, although you had Don Henley though too, and he's still alive. Those are like your two rare lead singer drummers, right? Yeah. So I, I'd be okay with either one of those. I think, I think Henley's a better vocalist. Phil Collins was the better drummer. So I'd be okay with either one of those, but I'm going to have Paul, I'm going to have McCartney be my bassist so that I can, I can double up there. So. I think we did well. I think it wasn't yeah, that's too bad. not too bad. Uh, yeah. Lead singer Brian Johnson, just for kicks and giggles. Uh, lead guitarist uh, Joe Satriani, uh, drummer Dave, Dave Grohl, and bassist Guy Barry. Grohl's a I good forgot. guy. I forgot I about forgot him as a, a drummer. drummer. Yeah. And you know I'm a big Foo Fighters guy too. I just he's so often as, as, as with the Foo Fighters now uh, playing guitar and not drummer. I didn't even think about him because that's what he was with Nirvana. Obviously, was on the drums. That's a that's a that's a good, a good call pull. too. Yeah, yeah, that's a good call. All right, any final thoughts before we get out of here, gentlemen? You know, the last last couple of days have kind of been even though we've been it's we've been hammering it and it's kind of been up with people. It's there's been a convergence. I hope it's winning. That I, helps. I hope it can last. Well, you know, near term winning, but man, it's this is gonna be a slog. Somebody uh Jeremy what, boring? Uh Daily Wire just summed everything up and said, When is this gonna stop? you know, when everybody wears masks, no, and he just no. November 4th. It'll, yeah. Or, or, yeah that, or we'll just move on to whatever the next thing was, right? When was Russian collusion going to stop? When was any of this going to, when was transgenderism going to yeah. stop? This is just the next manifestation of that. And when it wears out its ability to get whoever's pushing it, what they want out of it, they'll just move on to what the new thing is. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Killer, uh, killer wasps. Think it'll be killer wasps. Asian murder hornets. Yes. Well, given my bee allergy, they, they might get me. That might be one where I might go Karen on that one. No, that'd be a cool way to go out. I died by a killer wasp. That's better than like falling off your ladder or falling down the stairs and breaking your hip. John 3, 17. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.